Welcome, I am your host, and this is the Unanswered Questions Podcast. Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of my new podcast, Unanswered Questions, where every week we will endeavour to discuss a mysterious unsolved case that has many lingering unanswered questions. So I hope you enjoy, and as always, leave me some feedback on what you think about the show, and rate it as well. Now on to the show. This week we'll be talking about rumoured corrupt police officer Don Hancock. So, Don Leslie Hancock, known as Don Hancock, was a Western Australian policeman. He was principally known for his involvement in the investigation of the Perth Mint Swindle, and his death in a car bombing in 2001. Hancock was born Born in Boulder, Western Australia on the 5th of January 1937 to Leslie John Hancock and Melba May. He worked in the family's gold mine at Grants Patch near Orabanda. Hancock joined the Western Australian Police in 1959, initially part of the Gold Stealing Detection Squad, which I've never actually heard of the Gold Stealing Detection Squad. I don't know if it's still a thing or if it was a thing back then. I'm assuming that they probably still do have a branch like that because I know that, that gold is stolen and, and stuff like that. So I don't know whether that was just something that was around back in the day and it's not around anymore or whether it was just something that was around back in the, the 1950s early 1960s I, I've just never heard of it so I'm not actually sure if it was something that was only around back then and is not now or was around back then and is still around now but is just under a different name he transferred to the criminal investigation branch CIB in 1966 he worked in various detective branches before becoming officer in charge of the CIB in 1989 and retired on January 28th of 1994 however it would appear that Don Hancock was not as squeaky clean as he was made out to be and was involved in various infamous and at times controversial incidents and there were rumours that he was corrupt and had murdered at least two people before he died in 2001. Tony Ludanowski, a police colleague, identified himself and Hancock as being corrupt and duly responsible for fabricating evidence against the three Mickelberg brothers in the Perth Mint Swindle investigation prior to Ludanowski's 2004 suicide. In the book Mickelberg Snitch, author Avon Le captioned a photograph of him with the name The Grey Fox. Now to give a brief overview as I have another episode dedicated to this case, the Perth Mint Swindle is a popular name for the robbery of 49 gold bars weighing 68 kilograms, 150 pounds or 2,200 ounces from the Perth Mint in Western Australia on the 22nd of June 1982. The bullion was valued at the time at 653,000 Australian dollars. In 2011 it's due to inflation it's worth 2.2 million. As of January 2018, the value of the 68 kilogram, 150 pounds of gold would approach 3.7 million Australian dollars. According to police at the time, three brothers, Ray, Peter and Brian Mickelberg, orchestrated the robbery. The three went to trial and were found guilty of the conspiracy and sentenced in 1983 to 20, 16 and 12 years in jail respectively. All three convictions were overturned in 2004 and to date, the case remains unsolved and continues to be fought by the Mickelbergs who maintain the innocent and alleged conspiracy by the West Australian police to frame them. Don Hancock was also connected to the death of brothel owner Shirley Finn in 1975. A 2010 coronial investigation into the murder of Shirley Finn listed Don Hancock as a potential suspect. It was stated that CIB chief Don Hancock shot and killed brothel madame Shirley Finn, whose body was found riddled with bullets at the Royal Perth Golf Course in 1975. The claims came from Lee Varis Beswick, a former madame who went on to become a Calgary city councillor, who was told of the link between Mr. Hancock 
Hancock and Miss Finn's murder by her ex-partner, former detective Tony Ludanowski, following Mr. Hancock's death in a car bomb blast in 2001. However, Don Hancock died before the inquest took place, thus he was never charged with her murder, and to this day, it also remains unsolved. Following his retirement from the police, Hancock moved back to Orobanda to run the historic inn. Hancock was killed on the 1st of September 2001 in Lothlin by a bomb placed under his car. Hancock was murdered by Gypsy Joker Sid Reed in revenge for the murder of Billy Grierson, allegedly by Hancock after Grierson made obscene comments in front of his daughter. Now, how this all came about was that on October 1st, 2000, the closing ceremony of the Sydney Olympics was in full swing. The Calgary chapter of the Gypsy Joker biker gang were perched on the racetrack at the small settlement of Orobanda, about 70 kilometres north of Calgary, and made up largely of prospectors and sandalwood cutters. The bikies, including William Joseph Billy Grierson, Graham Slim Slater, and Sidney John Reed, had been drinking at the historic Orobanda Inn. Witnesses to that night said they used crude language, some of which was directed towards barmaid Alison Hancock, whose father Don Hancock owned the pub. Hancock ejected the bikies and shut the pub, and at about 7.45pm that same night, a sniper's bullet rang out across the Orobanda racetrack, striking the campfire where the bikies were sitting. Minutes later, a second bullet thudded into Mr. Grierson's back, killing the 39-year-old within seconds. The sniper's shot to me was an incredible feat. I mean, the shooter used a high-powered rifle from a range of up to 300 meters in darkness and in difficult conditions. Now, it was never established whether the sniper meant to hit Mr. Grierson or if the shots were a warning to get the bikies to leave the small settlement. Nobody has ever been charged over Mr. Grierson's murder and technically the case dubbed Operation Sandalwoods remains with the police cold case unit. But Mr. Hancock was long regarded as the prime suspect and to me, I believe that he was the actual shooter. There had been tension between Mr. Hancock and Mr. Grierson inside the pub. At a coronial inquest into the death, the head cook at the inn testified that he saw Mr. Hancock rev his car and leave the premises shortly after closing the doors and ejecting the bikies. She also testified that Mr. Hancock's wife Elizabeth told her that he had gone to get his gun from Grant's patch, Mr. Hancock's mining lease. Now, look, see... This is where the case takes an interesting turn. The gun that Don had was never testified to see whether it had been used recently or whether it had matched evidence from the scene. Don was never tested for gunshot residue and it's never been ascertained as to how good of a shot Don Hancock was because to make a shot like the one made on the night of the killing from 300 metres away in the dark and into the woods, it's a hell of a shot to make and not just anybody could have made a shot like that. You would have had to have been a very good marksman to make a shot like that. The other thing too is why was Don Hancock so pissed off with the I don't quite understand that. I mean, look, people when they go to a bar and they start drinking and they're with their mates make lewd comments all the time. I mean, just because your daughter's a barmaid and just because someone makes a few lewd remarks towards her doesn't give you the right to get all shitty about it. I mean, my understanding was that Don Hancock got extremely upset about it and ejected the bikies because they were making comments towards his daughter. But the thing is, if your daughter's going to be a barmaid, just like if she was going to be a stripper in a, a strip club, they're going to have attention from guys. Nothing you do is ever going to stop that. So, and see, here's the other thing. So, Don being, you know, the detec detective that he was, must have surely known that if he killed a bikey and it was traced back to him, that they wouldn't stop until they either killed him or he disappeared, either from the country or into the witness protection program, depending on how bad things got. Mr. Hancock, interestingly enough, was also described as being uncooperative with officers investigating the murder, and there were suggestions that he might have tried to neutralize any gunshot residue from his hands by eating an orange, as citrus juice is widely believed 
to affect gunshot residue. I don't know if that's true or not. That's just what has been stated. The sniper's gun was never found, and Mr. Hancock had an alibi. Mrs. Hancock told detectives her, her husband was home watching the Sydney Olympics closing ceremony. Mr. Hancock, who was known as the Silver Fox, was never charged, and, had, and he and his family consistently denied he had any involvement. The evidence against Don was completely hearsay, Mrs. Hancock told the West Australian. There was no evidence against Don. The man didn't do it for a start. If he was guilty, I would not have been here defending him as I always have. However, I find this denial to be a bit contradictory because in an interview for the Gangs of Oz television series in Australia, she claimed that on the day of the shooting when Don returned home, she told him about the bikey gang being shot at and Don just looked at her in disbelief and he said that wasn't possible and she said, yes, the bikey has been shot and killed. One of the guys that lived there stopped me and said, Elizabeth, what's going on? I said, what do you mean? And he said, there's a bike you've been shot. And that was the first I knew of it. And with that, I went home and told Don. He said, and he laughed. He said, don't be ridiculous. And I said, somebody shot him. This apparently, he's been shot. And um, next thing we know, police were there and they all reckon Don must have done it because he closed the pub on them. Mrs. Hancock said her husband was treated unfairly over Mr. Grierson's murder. A string of agencies had investigated and cleared her husband of any wrongdoing during his 35-year police career, which again has to raise some doubts because of his involvement in the Perth Mint swindle and all the goings-on there. We don't step aside from the fact that um, Don Hancock, from a police perspective in that homicide investigation, was the principal person of interest. He was there, things had happened in the evening, and the investigation team had a clear focus on uh, trying to work out whether he was responsible for that death or not. And within days of Mr. Grierson's murder, the Hancocks left Orobanda amid safety concerns. In the days and weeks that followed, the Orobanda properties were firebombed. Owner Don Hancock had left just minutes earlier. Three weeks later, another two explosions, this time targeting the town's old general store and gold crusher. That same night, a vacant house torched the link, Don Hancock, he owned all three properties. At that stage, police wanted him under protection. Assistant Commissioner Stephen Bowen, who was a detective senior sergeant with the Major Crime Squad when Mr Grierson was killed, claimed that the police had tried to urgently get the case heard in the coroner's court because a number of witnesses, including the bikies and Mr Hancock, were uncooperative and the coroner had the power to compel witnesses to testify. Sadly, this never happened. There were rumours that the bikies had a 12-month deadline to avenge Mr Grierson's death, and sadly, on September 1st of 2001, 11 months after the murder, Mr Hancock and his mate, Lou Lewis, were killed in a car bombing that shocked. On that day, at the Belmont Racecourse, there were other members of the Gypsy Jokers uh, conducting surveillance on Don Hancock and Lou Lewis. They were watching to see their movements. Sid Reed and another senior member of the Gypsy Jokers, who had placed the bomb under the passenger seat, had returned to their observation point in a nearby car park. At about 5.30 after the last race, Don Hancock and Lou Lewis drove away, back home, back to Lathlane. By that time, um, Lou Lewis had driven the mere two to three kilometres back to Don Hancock's home and they were in the process of just pulling onto the front verge when the power gel detonated. Uh, causing both of them to lose their life. 
Mr. Brown was quoted as saying that the explosion was such that the materials, derbs, and other items were strewn over dozens of houses to neighboring streets. The forensic examination at the scene itself took a staggering six days to complete. Sidney Reed eventually rolled over on his bikey comrades, confessing to his role in the bombing and providing testimony that led investigators attached to Operation Zycorn to charge Mr. Slater over the double murder. Mr. Slater was acquitted by a Supreme Court jury in 2003. There's one other little wrinkle to this case that no one has gotten to the bottom of, although various people have tried. Reed's testimony also led police to charge a Gypsy Joker associate over the previously unknown homicide of a man who was regarded as a long-term missing person. Zycorn also led police to charge the president of the Gypsy Joker, Len Kirby, over a multi-million dollar drug haul. Reed accused another Joker associate, Gary White, of murdering drug dealer Anthony Tapley the previous August in a completely unrelated unknown crime unknown to police. White was subsequently charged and convicted of murder primarily on Reed's testimony and is still serving a 22-year minimum term life sentence. While bones believed to be Tapley's were later found at a Northam farm, they were never conclusively proven to be his. The downside to having killed a former police officer was that within days of the car bombing, the state government flagged the possibility of introducing Australia's toughest anti-bikey laws, including a legislation to tear down fortifications from bikey gang strongholds. To date, the Gypsy Jokers remain the only WA bikey gang to be hit with the fortification removal notice. At the 2006 inquest into the October 2000 shooting and death of Billy Grierson, the coroner stated, and I quote, There is a significant body of evidence which suggests Mr. Hancock may have been the shooter, but the Gypsy Jokers could have a large number of enemies. End quote. He was unable to determine who Grierson's killer was because Hancock was now dead, police had failed to conduct routine forensic sign tests, and had failed to search Hancock's home. See, and this is what blows me away, is Hancock's home was never searched, which means there is no possible way to say that Hancock wasn't the shooter, and doubt will always hang over this case, because not searching his home was a huge mistake, an oversight, and it also makes you wonder, if the police didn't believe he'd done it and just thought, nah, Don wouldn't have done a thing like that, that could also explain the laxity in the investigation of Don Hancock, or lack thereof investigation into Don Hancock. With that, this case remains open. But with many unanswered questions that still remain unanswered. I'm your host, and this has been the Unanswered Questions Podcast. Until next time. Next on Unanswered Questions. After his murder convictions, Kuklinski gave interviews to writers, prosecutors, criminologists, and psychiatrists. He claimed to have murdered anywhere from one to two hundred men, often in gruesome fashion. Most of these additional murders have not been corroborated.